restrictions. Father, you are welcome. We say yes, Lord, yes. Our songs are rising in your direction. We say yes, Lord, yes. We will wait on you. We will wait on you. Come and move. We say yes to you. Eternal, yes, forever. You have my eternal, 
Hallelujah. Jesus, come on, we say yes. We say yes, we say yes, we say yes to you. You're the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You are the Lamb of God that's taken away all sin. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords who died and rose again, ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, who will once again step out on the clouds one day and come to take his children home. Lord, there's nothing that you can't do. You are worthy of our praise. You are faithful and true. You are not a man that you should lie. You are the heavenly one, the eternal one, the all-sufficient one. Your name is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Name above every name, we give you praise this morning. Your will, your way, Lord God. Your will, your way in this room. Your will, your way, Lord God. We surrender to you, Jesus. We surrender to you. Church, I just want to pray right now for people who are sick. I want to pray. I'm just believing for there to be miracles in this room today. We already said today that we're not here because we made a way. We're here because he made a way. And part of him making a way is that by his stripes we are healed. We are healed. We're just going to pray together because there's power when we pray together. And whether you are feeling physically sick this morning, I'm asking you to pray for Pastor Danielle. She's so under the weather, still feeling the, the effects of the COVID that she has gone through, but it's gotten to her lungs, and we just need God to move. Maybe for you it's something physical. Maybe it's something emotional. Maybe you need some mental healing today. Maybe you need a touch of joy today. Maybe you need to be set free from abuse you suffered in the past. Maybe today you need to be healed from shame that's on your life. Maybe today you need a financial healing. Maybe today you need a relational healing. My God is Jehovah Rapha. He is healing itself. That's who he is. We can't say, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, and then deny who he is. He doesn't just heal. He is healing. He is healing. So I'm going to pray. We're going to pray together. I'm going to ask you today, if you need any type of healing, you don't even, known or unknown, if you need any type of healing, I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hands. If you're around somebody who's lifting up your hands, just reach out your hand towards them. If you feel comfortable, reach out your hand towards them. There's power, the Bible says, when two touch something in agreement. There's power. I'm going to lift my hands for Pastor Danielle. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you are healing itself. I thank you that you are the kingdom of all things, that not one sickness, physical, mental, emotional, Lord God, not shame, not depression, Lord God, not the addiction of alcoholism, not, not, not pornography, not lust, not greed, not anger, not any relational issue can stand against your love today. So Holy Spirit, come and move in this place. We say yes. Yes to miracles. Yes to healing. Yes to breakthrough. Yes to your promise. Because Daddy, we're not good enough. Here we are. We're saying we're not good enough, but you are. We're not able, but you are. We're not powerful enough, but you are. Come and move. Come and move. Holy Spirit, come and move. If you've got your hands raised today, would you just say, just, in, t- just say to God, just start talking to God. Say, yes, God. Say, God, I'm saying yes. Yes, God. 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 I'm believing it's here now. God, I'm believing the answer's on its way. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. The Bible tells me that, that there, were, there was a man who came to Jesus whose servant was sick. 
Jesus said, come on, I'll go with you. He said, don't even have to speak the word. Jesus spoke the word, and the Bible says, the Bible says, that at that very hour, the boy was healed. Right now, my God is speaking a word over your life of health and healing and breakthrough and wholeness in the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against his people shall prosper. Father, we say the eternal yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. I'm going to invite us as we close this prayer moment to pray together with the way that Jesus taught us to pray, his prayer. There's something about in the middle of this prayer where we say, Father, not our will, but yours be done. I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing that there are literal healings manifesting in this room right now. I'm believing right now, if you don't have it now, it's on its way. I'm believing that my God is not a man that he should lie, that he is faithful and true to his word. I believe that God said that every word that proceeds from his mouth will not fail. As it goes forth, it will do the work of the will that he has it to do, and it will prosper in our lives. Oh, it may not be on this side of the veil. It may be on the other side of the veil. But my God is not a liar. He will heal now. He will heal then. My God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So whatever lie the devil's trying to tell you today, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, let that moment destroy the lie of the devil. Not my will. Not even what I believe. Your will be done. Come on, can we pray the Lord's Prayer together? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, thine is the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen and amen. Come on, can we give God some glory this morning if you believe what you just said, if you believe what you prayed. Praise Him before the miracle. Praise Him for the miracle. Praise Him for who He is. He's an amazing God. My king, my king, my king, hallelujah. Oh. Hey, can I just say one thing before we go? I'm so glad kids are in here right now. Because, man, this is part, young people, this is part of it. This is what I need to tell you today. You don't have to figure it out alone. Not only do you have your mom or your dad, not only do you have someone who's looking out for you, but you've got a church who loves you. And more than that, you have a God who loves you. The Bible says all you've got to do is ask and he shows up. You can talk to God. What you just witnessed is your parents, your people, your friends, your community saying we trust God. I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of that. That my circumstances do not determine my truth. My feelings do not determine my truth. My feelings are always real. They're just not always truth. How many of you have ever felt alone, lonely? Oh, half of you liars. Or you just didn't put on deodorant today. Is that it? The Bible says, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That's truth. 
I may feel, one may. The Bible, if you've ever felt shame, if you've ever felt condemnation, I've felt those things. I feel those things sometimes. That's how I feel. But the Bible says in Jesus there is no condemnation. That's truth. So right now you may be feeling one way, but truth says something different. So we have a choice. What are we going to live in? Our feelings or his truth? That's it. Our feelings, his truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. What a great God we serve who does not leave us to our own devices but gets in the midst with us. Well, church, I love you. I'm so glad you're here. So good. Hey, listen, if this is your first time, welcome to Connect. We love you guys. Let us know that you're here. Our online church, we love you guys. Our online community, we're praying for you, believing for you. Hey, kiddos, you can follow uh, Pastor Lisa out in the sign. Big kiddos, say hi to somebody as you're being seated. Give them a high five, an air high five. Say hello. Find out their favorite ice cream, cookies, whatever made us have to go to the gym this new year. Ridiculous. Woo. What a powerful thing you just did. I just wanted, before we, uh, there's a couple things I want to do before we get in the word. I want to encourage you. I hope that song that you just sang becomes really an uh, anthem of your heart this week. Yeah. I say yes to you. Can I tell you, it's not always easy to say yes to God. That's why the Bible says if we want to be his disciple, we must deny self pick up our cross and follow there's nothing easy about it but there is something victorious about it it's not easy but it's victorious Danielle and I are believing for victory in your life this year victory in your lives whatever God says that looks like that's what we're believing for we need to believe for that together you know part of celebrating victory celebrating life is celebrating people who have helped us get there and receive and be a part of victory. And today, we're celebrating uh, the life and the works and the, the accomplishments of Dr. Martin Luther King. And we are so, I'm so thankful for who he is. He has been for a long time a hero of mine and uh, I believe a hero for many that are, I'm sure, in this room. And we don't want to celebrate Dr. King just as part of a community, you know, there's, well, I know, I know there's communities out there that are celebrating. No, every community should celebrate a man who stood up against injustice. A man who stood up for truth in the midst of darkness. Because that is what we're all called to do. And uh, we have on the screen one of my favorite quotes from Dr. King, and there's so many the, uh, uh, of the quotes that he has. But for me, this is something that actually touches deep. Because it says, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. It's easy to say yes to Jesus when everything's good. It's easy to stand up for Jesus in your, in, in your forged group or your shoulder-to-shoulder group or your small group of friends that all have crosses on and all believe the same thing you do. It's harder to stand up when it's going to cost you something. It's harder to stand up when you have to stand up in a group of people that will kill you for what you believe in. Oh, I know, not in America, we're not talking about real death. But I don't know about you, but sometimes the massacre that people get 
with the onslaught of social media against you or gossip about you or the way they shun you can feel the same way. That's what life is. That's what we're called to. Denying self, picking up his cross, and following him. So, I, I, look, I, I, don't, I don't want tomorrow. Can I just encourage you? Don't let tomorrow just be a day off for some of us. Take a moment to remember what it costs people to be able to stand in the midst of injustice. Because we've come a long way, and we still have, come on, we've come a long way, but we have a long way to go. Anybody? We, we've come a long way. I don't want to denounce any advancement, but I also want to say there's a long way to go in our country, in our world, when it comes to the justice of God. And let me really encourage you, part of the things that will help you in gathering that kind of strength is becoming a disciple. And you hear us talk about this all the time. Moving from being just a believer into being a disciple. And that's something that we really want to encourage you to, to, to make one of your real resolutions this year. And the way to do it here at this church is to join Forged, which is our men's discipleship groups, or Shoulder to Shoulder, which is our ladies' discipleship groups. And I know Forged is starting this week, so you don't have to have ever been in a Forged group. We've got them Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Monday, I don't know. We've got them all throughout the week. It's online. You can be there with a group of guys. We can talk about real life and real issues. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. This is from ev for everyone and anyone. Same for the ladies. It's not enough for us to know the word. We have to know how to apply the word. And we need each other to stand with us while we're trying to do it. Amen? All right, are you guys ready for the word? Awesome. Why don't you open with me then to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians is the 10th book of the New Testament. It's written by the Apostle Paul. And he's going to be talking, we're going to be talking today a little bit about what we started talking about last week, about how to actually walk this thing out together. How do we work this thing out called being the church together? Because there's just a whole lot of misconceptions, there's a whole lot of, uh, of uh, preferences, there's a whole lot of things that have gotten in the way. And if you need a title for today's message, it's Building Beyond Belonging. Building beyond belonging. I know we all love to belong somewhere, and I think that's, that's a great thing. And Starbucks, man, they, they nailed that. They created space for people to belong in basically for the price of a cup of coffee. It's awesome, right? They understood belonging, but the kingdom isn't just about belonging. The kingdom is about building something bigger than that in our lives and in our world. And so last week we started to talk about how Jesus may have New Year's resolutions for us. I mean, not, not, not just the us individually, but the us corporately. The, the corporate we, his body, his church. And that through the outworking of being in the church and the outwork of being the church together, there are things, there are mentalities, there are attitudes, there, there are belief systems, there are expectations that God wants to work out of us. And there are some things that Jesus wants to work into us. Because sometimes we're always like, I know I need to get some stuff out. No, no, sometimes you got to get some stuff in. It's out and in. So we started last week talking about this we work out. How do we work out what Jesus is doing? And it really came from this understanding that one of the only current ministries that Jesus is doing today that he only does corporately is build his church. 
He is my shepherd, so I am his sheep, and I'm also in his flock. He is my high priest, so I'm also a, a, a priest with him, and also in the priesthood of believers. There's an individual and corporate expression. But the only, that, that's not true when it comes to church. When Jesus says, I'm building church, he's talking about we. There's no just me and him. There's no individual activity when it comes to church. It's only us. So God is building, Jesus is building us, the we, his church. So as disciples, we're not only called to do what Jesus did, we're called to do what Jesus is doing. Build and be his church. That's why we saw last week in Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus said, and I will build my church. I will build it. it was a, it's not a moment in time. It's a continue, that's a continual action verb. I will continually build my church, and the gates of hell shall not stand against it. So Jesus is saying, I'm building. I don't know what you're all doing, but I'm building church. I'm going to build the we. I'm going to work this thing out together the way it's meant to be. And I love the fact, by the way, that he does it in a place called Caesarea Philippi. We're going to get to Ephesians in a second. But I love the fact that he does it in this place called Caesarea Philippi, which is a vacation resort place. He takes his disciples away from the crowd, and it's just them. And I think sometimes, church, it's important that we understand that we have to get away. Not away from community, but away with community so that we can truly see who Jesus is. Away from the crowd and the voices that we're used to. Get rid of those crowd. We need to, we need to start to understand that we need to understand this concept that we are the tribe. We're our tribe. This is your tribe. If Connect Church is your church, this is your tribe. Not the people who are around you in your neighborhood. Not, not, not the people who are in your marketplace. Not, not the people who you kind of uh, surrounded with or found during the pandemic. We, the church, that's what the church is. It's the community that we get away with so we can see more of Jesus. When we worship together, we see more of Jesus. When we pray for each other, we see more of Jesus. When we forgive each other in this place, we see more. When we serve each other, we, we, we see more of Jesus. When, we're, when we reach out into our community, we see more of Jesus. This is the community that we get away with so that we get to understand who Jesus is better. That's why Jesus said, I will build my church. And we saw that the word church is the word ecclesia in the Greek which means a movement of people moving in a common direction for a common cause. And that the community moving in a common direction has always had Jesus at the center of it because he is the builder of it. This thing is not about Connect Church. This is about Jesus. This is not Kyle's ministry. This, this is about Jesus. This isn't about building a brand. This is about building up a man. His name is Jesus. And that common community is building disciples who see their role as being a reflection of Jesus, who rely on the revelation of the Father, as Peter had to right there, to see beyond what they already didn't know that they thought they knew, and that, who are empowered to live by the Spirit of God, to live a life of significance for His Glory. See, my friends, there are things Jesus is trying to get out of us, work out of us, and there are some things Jesus is trying to work into us. And how's he doing it? That's a great question. How is Jesus doing it? Because it can't be just me and him. It can't just be me. 
Because he has created his church to be a part, a part, a part, a part of doing that with us. Matter of fact, that's where Ephesians 4 comes in. Look at this. Let's read this together. It says, so Christ himself. So when when it says Christ himself, it means that Jesus was intentional about this. It means that it must be important for him because if he decided to do it himself, this wasn't an angel who decided this. This wasn't a prophet who decided this. This wasn't a king of Israel who decided this. This was Jesus. This is how Jesus has decided to build our lives, decided to work out things out of us and work things into us. This is how Jesus has decided. I don't know about you. That's a pretty good recommendation. When I'm looking for a good restaurant to eat at, come on, I'm looking at how many stars. I'm looking for some good recommendations. This is a five-star recommendation. Jesus. Jesus gave, him, uh, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. That's church. To do what? To equip the saints, us, for the work so we can work out the ministry of God. So that we can build up what? The body of Christ. Not our portfolios, not our preferences, not our prosperity. So we can build up the body of Christ until we all attain unity of the faith. The knowledge of the Son of God to become mature. There's a concept. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus. So that we no longer are children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by the craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who's the head, into Jesus, from whom the whole body, all of us, the we, are joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped. We're all equipped when each part is working it out properly. It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When we see this, come on church, Jesus is building something more than a place to belong. He is building us into a new being. And this is how he's doing it. How awesome is what we're reading right now? Because God is not leaving it up to us. He's not saying, just figure it out. He's saying, man, I've got a way. But it says, when every part, all of us, do our own part in that, we all then grow in unity. We all then get maturity. It doesn't say when the stage preaches the right message. When the worship team hits the right notes. It says when we, the ligaments, the tendons, doing our work, work this thing out together, that's why it's important we understand the we work. Because we can be working hard at something and still produce the wrong thing. I have worked really hard in my life at building church, and I've done it really successfully. But I, at the end of it, I was building the wrong thing. That's why we are where we are today. Getting back to what Jesus said is right. Maybe some of you can relate. Here's what I know. That disciples work out of a place of glory, not simply a place of gain. Come on, the truth is, all of us come to church to get something out of it. To get a good word or to get some good worship. Some of us, to, 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 to get answers for our pain. To, to have a place to raise our kids. To be around other people who have similar sense of morality than we do. To, to find a group of people who, that, we can, that, that we can relate with and, and live life with in a, in a, with a feeling that it's a safe environment to be with. 
Maybe it's just a, play, a, a place to, to find an hour or so a week of peace from the life that we live. Maybe that's what coming together is every week. But all of us come to church to get something. There's nothing wrong with it. Don't be condemned by that statement. It's all right. There are a lot of people that came to Jesus with sicknesses because they needed something. He didn't be like, I'm sorry, you need healing, get out. It's all right. That's just not the highest goal. I understand because the issue is for pastors, which I am, that church is also my vocation. And so it's often the place that we, and I will say me, because I won't talk for other pastors, but I'll talk for myself. It's often the place that I have found a sense of success or identity of recognition. And that's why we, as pastors, and myself as a pastor, we're always looking to grow the church. I want to grow the church. I want to grow the church. I want to grow the church. And that becomes our greatest temptation, or at least I know it's my greatest temptation, and I constantly have to wrestle with it. I want to grow the church. I want to grow the church. I want to grow the church. Does that sound bad? Do you think that's something God's against? No. But that's not the goal of my life. Because in the midst of that, here's the issue. People become the mechanism for my success rather than the purpose of our ministry. And that's why a lot of times you have felt used in places where you've gone, because you are the mechanism for the pastor's success. Now, look, before you judge anything, just remember, you want to succeed at your job too. I'm not, that's not a back door for me. Come on, sir. that's not a way. I'm just being, I'm just, we're, just, we're just being real. We're putting the dirt on the table and let it fall where it may. Right? Here's the reality of that. See, this is the tricky thing about gain. It can be a godly thing. It can even be God's gift to us. So, right? Psalm 35, 27 says that God delights in the prosperity of his children. He loves to bless us. God, that's the goodness of God. He loves to give things to us. But it's never meant to be the goal of God's people. And the issue is, gain has become our highest goal in the modern church. In our modern gospel of gain, we have made the believer's highest goals into getting the blessing and getting into heaven. Getting the blessing and getting into heaven. Now let me say there's nothing wrong with either one of those two. But whatever we focus on, we give power to. So when we focus on getting blessed and getting into heaven, a few things happen. Not only does it produce a self-focused life, and focused on how our lives can be blessed by God rather than how can God be blessed by our lives. It's just true. This is modern church. This is where, this is the stumbling block that we're all stumbling over. There's no condemnation. There's just clarity. It's why we stumble sometimes because we're looking at our lives and saying, how can God bless my life rather than how can my life bless God? And when we focus on gain, it will always produce the frustration of comparison. Because it's hard to be unified with someone we feel we're competing against to get God's blessing. It's hard to lift up others in the church who we see them as undeserving of the blessing they have or standing in the way of the blessing we want. And so the enemy once again uses something God has blessed us with to divide us. It's not new. happened from the very beginning. God had blessed Adam and Eve, put him in the garden. And the, God, and, the, and the enemy uses the garden, the blessing, to bring division into the community. 
and he undermines community because he convinced Adam and Eve they needed more. And here's the, here's the problem, because I believe in evangelism. I believe in helping people find salvation in Jesus Christ. But when simply getting to heaven becomes our goal, well then, that's settled at the cross. It's a done deal, right? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, I am saved by grace through faith, apart from any work that I should do, lest I should boast. If I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that he raised again, died on the cross and rose again, I shall be saved. It is a done deal. So we're good. If you've prayed that, you're good. If you haven't prayed that, at the end of service, we'll pray. You'll be good. So in our mind, when that box has been checked off, the main goal of Christianity then has been met. I'm going to heaven. And that is a goal of God for us. But the goal for his church is to bring him glory. And maybe the worst thing about being trapped in this concept of gain is that it captures us in a tally mentality. Now, some of you know this. If you were raised in Catholicism, if you were raised, ra raised in religious traditionalism, you'll understand tally mentality. Because you begin to tally, whether either subconsciously or consciously, whether my works that I'm doing for God and the worship that I'm doing to God, what ledger, what side of the ledger does that fall on? Does it fall on when I do worship, works and worship for God? Does that fall on adding worth to my tally so that I can get so, uh, from my side of the ledger so I can get some stuff from God's side of the ledger? We get a sense of entitlement and fear because we're, sure not, we're not sure that we actually have enough tally on this side. But we feel like we've done enough to get blessed from that side. When we forgot everything on our side should go to his side. We are worthy of none of it. But that's the tally mentality. So we start to click check boxes, check boxes. Well, I served, I tied, I gave, I showed up, I did, I was, I was good, I stopped being, I stopped doing. Ledger, 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 ledger. There's no peace there. And there's no praise there. The goal of us is to do what Jesus did and what Jesus is doing. Jesus says in John 17, 4, I have lived my life to give the Father glory, and I accomplished it when I accomplished everything he gave me to do. He says to you and I in John 14, he says, look, you don't even have to worry about it. Ask whatever you need of me, and I'm on it with you. Why? So that you can give glory to the Father. What is our purpose? This isn't really difficult. Ephesians 3.10 works it out. It is God's intent that now through us, the church, that the manifold wisdom of God may be displayed and made known to everything seen and unseen. The issue, my friends, should never be personal gain, but it should be God's gain and God's glory. How does God gain by, my, by, my, by me responding to the text the way that I'm responding to this text that I'm sending? How does God gain when I don't speak up at my workplace or my friends group? How does God get glorified when I worship him with all my heart? How does my life reveal his glory in my neighborhood and marketplace? Does my attitude bring glory to him or to myself? What do I bring to this community of faith that helps establish his glory in this place every Sunday, every week, throughout the how? What do I bring? 
that reveals his glory to those around me, that lifts up the hands of others so that his glory can be revealed even at my own expense. There's this amazing moment in Numbers chapter 12. I'm sorry, in Exodus chapter 17. I got ahead of myself. In Exodus chapter 17, they both deal with Moses. You'll, You'll see it. Exodus chapter 17, when there's a battle going on with the children of God and the enemy. The, ba- the valley of Rephidim. The Bible says Joshua's in the valley fighting. Moses goes up on the hill. When he ris- raises his hands, they're winning. When he lowers his hands, they are losing. Moses gets tired. Do you know why? Because men and women of God get tired. It's just natural. And when you're standing in the gap for others, you're going to be more tired because there's not only a natural withdrawal, there's a supernatural withdrawal. You are worn out. It's why pastors and people who are leaders get burnt out and they walk away from church and they take time off away from God. Why? Because they have been so tired and there's no Aaron and there's no her. The Bible says Aaron and her come and stand on his side and they lift up his hands and the battle is won. And do you know what? who gets credit for it? Not them. Joshua. The Bible says Joshua won the battle. Are you okay lifting up someone else's hands in this room and letting them get the reward? Letting them get the blessing? Letting them get the praise from God and not you? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before everybody around you that they may see your good works and what? Glorify the Father. This is our goal as a people, as a person. His glory Is his glory more so than our gain? If it is, can I ask you one question? Whose hands are we lifting up so that his glory can be revealed? I want you to look around this room. Whose hands, other than the spouse or the friend next to you, are you holding up? Because this is a we. We are in a battle. We. We face people who are sick. We face people who have cancer. We feel, have f- face people, live with people who are in depression. We are people that have friends who are in addiction. We. You may never be recognized, but g- you will not be not seen. The truth is, my friends, we don't only work for his glory. We work in unity and not simply uniformity. This is something I really want, I, I hope we all can hear because it sounds semantical and at its, at its core it's so very different. The reality is if we're honest, as a people, as people, we like uniformity. We like everybody that looks the same, thinks the same, votes the same, likes the same type of worship that we like, has the same sense of what is, quote, acceptable when it comes to culture, lifestyle, and you know, the right things. But the truth is, that reinforces our sense of worth, our sense of value, our sense of correctness. This is why we like uniformity. But it leaves us weak and vulnerable as a people. And it leaves us easily deceived into self-pride. Easily deceived into self-pride, and pride cometh before the fall. It leaves us open to ego and piousness and racism and even a sense of theological and cultural superiority. We do church better. We're not like them who do it that way. 
Isn't that everything we hated about the Pharisees? Everything. Isn't it everything Jesus dealt with with them? He says in Matthew 23, 23, you do everything to make yourself look right. You tithe, you give everything, you dress right, you do the right things, you wash your hands, but you forgot compassion, mercy, justice. It's not an either or, it's an end both. He's talking about you have the sense of piousness, uniformity. The reality is, my friends, this yearning for uniformity is a valuable tool in the enemy's tool belt because it always yields division. And that's what the enemy wants to do in this house, breed division, always. In your house, among spouses, division. Among close friends who are, sta- who are there, closer than a brother, division. In forged groups of children, division. That is his main goal, division. This is where we see it in Numbers chapter 12. Moses marries a black woman. That's what the Bible says. It says it in a way you might not know it because it says she was a Cushite. It sounds like she's from a cushion, right? No, Cush is in Africa. Moses had the audacity to marry a black woman. And Miriam and Aaron freaked out. They freaked out because she is not one of us. And God said, cool, Miriam. I'm glad you think that way. How do you think about having leprosy? God don't mess. Come on. Some of you are like, oh, no, I didn't get leprosy. Yes, you did. It's called leprosy of the soul. You stopped feeling. You stopped having compassion. You, you, stopped, you stopped having empathy. You, you stopped having caring for someone other than you. That's what happens when we're talking about what we're talking about. In the truth, they were missing what she could bring out of who she was. Man, i got to be honest, this is something that Pastor D and I realized even when we talked about having a multi-ethnic church. Because when we talked about having a multi-ethnic church, it, it, is that we were, what we were saying is that we were open to having all races, all generations, all cultures come in and be here as long as they were willing to accept our culture. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not talking about kingdom culture. Come on, somebody. Kingdom culture, kingdom truth. That supersedes everything. There are things that are kingdom culture. But what we were actually saying is that we were asking them to accept a primarily white expression of kingdom truth. A very particular way of the way that we do, this is the way we do church here. And we were missing out. The truth is we missed out on so much that God was trying to show us and teach us because of our need for uniformity. We weren't building a multi-ethnic church. We were building a church where we wanted multiple races in it. But we didn't want to have multiple racial expressions in the midst of it. That's why it's different now. That's why it's different. It's not perfect. We got to come on. It's not perfect. We got a long way to go. But that's why it matters you're here, and we want to hear. And we, we, we need to, you don't need to fit into everything. We, we don't have to do everything the same way. We just have to do it for the same cause. And the cause is unity. Jesus is unwavering on this truth. 
that his people should be unified at all costs. He's in the garden right before he goes to the cross in John 17, and he says, Daddy, let them be. Here's my prayer. After everything I've done, let them be one, Daddy. Let them be one, just like you and I are one, so that the world will believe in you. I wonder why some of the world isn't believing. Could it be that Christians are standing divided rather than united? We would rather gossip about somebody than praise someone. We'd rather tear someone down than lift up someone's hands. I wonder why the world doesn't believe. This is Jesus. He said, I'm not going to leave you alone. The Bible says in Psalm 133 how good and pleasant it is for brothers to live together in unity. That's why I bestow life. Blessing. That's why Ephesians 4.13 that we just said says until we all retain unity. Unity. The reality is a diversity of gifts working in the unity of the body is God's perfect design. We don't have to do it the same way. That would be ridiculous. But we have to do it for the same cause. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 says, there, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one in the church, so that all may profit in the church. Jesus said that the Roman centurion, the Roman centurion that he had never seen faith like his before in all of Israel. Jesus included women into his ministry. <gasps> He broke down cultural and social barriers. He ate and drank with people who were unclean. He talked to a woman at the well, and not just a woman, a Samaritan woman alone at the well. See, Jesus was looking for one type of people, faith. It was faith that brought unity, not conformity. It is the unity of faith that the kingdom is looking for. Judas walked in uniformity with the other disciples, but he was not in unity with Jesus. We can have a church that walks in uniformity with one another and not in unity with Jesus. Because this goes back to the way that Jesus talks about his church, uh, people moving in a common direction for a common cause. The truth is the common direction and the common cause is what creates the unity. And doing it together as a common group of people is what builds community. It's always been God's intention from the beginning, always. God created Adam and Eve in community, and he created them for community, and he created them in unity. It was only when self and ego and pride and desire and selfishness got in the way that unity was destroyed. Stay with me for a moment. Adam and Eve had uniformity. They both ate the apple, but they did not have unity with what God said about them, and it dismantled community. We lost community here. When, very, when during a very difficult time for our black and brown families, for people, our people in those communities, when they were going through a very difficult time, Danielle and I chose to stand up and say Black Lives Matter. And I will say it again, Black Lives Matter. And we were clear then, and I'm going to be clear now. I'm not talking about an organization. I'm talking about a realization that people matter. That people matter. 
and people who are going through things matter. And people who are feeling abused and broken matter. And people who are hurting matter. And they should matter. Because this was not a political statement. It was a human statement. It's not anti-government, anti-police. It wasn't anti-white, anti-others. It was pro-kingdom. It was pro-truth. It was pro-unity. That's what unity looks like. It doesn't have to happen to me to actually cause me to care about it. The Bible says in Romans 12, verse 15, when others mourn, you mourn. When you are in unity with one another, if it happens to them, it happens to you. Regardless of race, color, socioeconomic background, where you've come from, what side of the tracks you've lived on, it doesn't matter. That's what unity looks like. We all may, we all may walk out justice differently, but justice is a core value of the kingdom of God. So I can't be wishy-washy on justice or compassion or grace. Or mercy, or caring for someone who's going through it. I can't see the Samaritan on the side of the road beating him bloody and be the priest so holy I walk by on the other side. I've got to care. Because there's a kingdom cause. Why did Daniel and I say that? Because there was a kingdom cause. Why will we say it now and say it forever? There's a kingdom cause. David is fighting Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, and everyone's against him. And he stands up and says, what did I do wrong? Is there not a cause? Everyone, his brothers, his family, his friends, his boss, Saul, they're all saying, what are you doing, David? And David's response is this, is there not a kingdom cause? That's it. See, the word identifies the giants, not our politics, our preferences, or our generational norms. The word identifies the giants, and the body stands unified together to fight them. Dr. King said this, we must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. Paul puts it like this, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He didn't say some effort. Make a good attempt. Be comfortable in your effort. Make every effort. When there's a brother or sister that's hurting, to keep unity. Finally, we're almost done. I'm sweaty, and you're ready to go home. We're going to keep talking about this for the next couple weeks so we can't escape it. And to be honest, I don't want to escape it because I want to be convicted and I want to be challenged and I want to do what he's calling us to do so we can be who he's called us to be and not have a great church service but be a great church in his service. I hope that's what you want too. So let me just give you this last little point. Finally, I think... We need to learn to work out from a place of eternity, not simply from immediacy. Come on. Someone should have said amen, hallelujah, preach that. Say it again. Thank you for the immediacy. All right. Thank you. Come on, we are in a culture in our world. It's driven by the sense of immediacy. 
And we're living in this sense where of elevated sense of worth of immediacy. If it's current, it must be correct. If it's new, it has to be better. If it's in front of us now, it must need immediate attention. It must be of greatest importance. And not only has our culture trained us that way, but it has enslaved us because it's trained us to respond to the immediate, to be a lap dog. We are Pavlov's dogs to immediate response. You're being trained. All the, your watch dings. Your phone dings. The email comes. You are being trained to immediately respond to stimuli that is not God sent. The text needs, to, needs an immediate response. Email requires an immediate reply. People expect our immediate attention. But we have learned and have been deceived to not only respond that way, but to determine church and God as well through the lens and the place of immediacy. Is God good? I don't know. Let me look at my immediate situation. Is God really prosperous? I don't know. Let me look at my bank account. Is church, is this church for me? Is it good? I don't know. Worship really didn't move me this morning. Uh, I'm not sure. Pastor stepped on my toes. I'm I'm not sure. I I wish I had more of what I liked. The trap is, if we're honest, our soul loves responding to the immediate. Not simply because it gets to be, uh, it gets uh, validated immediately, right? What is the, like, we go, I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. Back in the day, you got hungry, you had to go out and kill something. It took a while. And cook it over a fire. And you had to go plant something and let it grow. You had to go gather some berries somewhere in the field. We're like, oh, I'm hungry. Throw something in the microwave. 30 seconds. That's forever. It's not just that we respond, our soul loves to respond, because it gets validated immediately. This is the deeper truth. Because it can function without God's input. Our soul loves the immediate because it gets to function without the input of God. That's why the Bible says pray, seek, ask, fast. The Bible says be still and know that he is God. Don't get me wrong. God can, it's not that God doesn't help us respond in the immediate, but if we're honest, our response in the immediate positions us to miss him more often than not. How many of us wish we had an unsend button to our life decisions? I know there are a lot of texts I wish I had back. There are some uh, immediate decisions I wish I had back. We're slaves to the immediate. But the church that Jesus is building sees things from a different place. The place of eternity. The truth is God is eternal. He makes decisions from the viewpoint of how things are going to have an eternal impact. He has from the very beginning. Before he made the world, Revelation 13.8 says that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. That means this. The Father said, before I make it, if I make it, 
Son, you're going to have to die for it. Jesus said, go ahead and make it because I'm ready to die for it. Come on, somebody. He was making a decision from an eternal perspective. That's why the cross is efficacious. No matter. SAT word in the morning. It's efficacious on either side of it. It means it is as powerful for those who are looking forward to it as those of us who are looking backwards to it. The cross was founded before the foundation of the world. Jesus said, I'll do it. His word was good enough for the Father, and it made it powerful from the moment time began. God sees things from an eternal perspective. Man, not one of us would have figured out why he would have put a prostitute inside the walls of Jericho. If you were the prostitute in the walls of Jericho for years, you'd be like, I know what God is. I know what God's doing. I know, man, I'm trying to live my life here. God's all messing me up. I mean, I got to deal with these men. I got to deal with these people. This is crazy. Until the spy showed up. Until everyone else around you died and you lived. Until you were the one who was in the line of the Messiah. That Jesus was birthed out of your line. My God does not make decisions from an immediate need. He sees things with an eternal perspective. That's why we don't always understand God's decisions or his interactions with us. It's why we get disillusioned and walk away from God and church because we are too tied to the immediate. But Jesus said, come on, Matthew 6, 19. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust can get them, where thieves can steal them. Store up, this is a command, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Because where your treasure is, your heart will be. He's saying we got to change our perspective. How will this decision affect our lives in 10 years? How will what I'm doing or not doing today affect the future of my children? How can I start something today that I might not even be around long enough to see it become big. Because legacy is not what we accomplish in this life, but it's what we set in motion. But we can only really say that if we see things from the viewpoint of eternity. Paul says in Ephesians 2.10, We are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand, before time. He saw you. You are part of his eternal perspective. Jesus said in John 14, don't be afraid. I'm going to go away. You won't see me for a little bit, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then I'm going to come back and get you. I'm going to take you where I am. Only with a view of eternity will we ever truly value the eternal one and the eternal bride that he is building. If Jesus was viewed through the lens of the immediate, in the immediate aftermath of the cross, he would have been deemed a failure. One of his disciples had betrayed him. Another one denied him. They all abandoned him. He didn't leave one building behind, didn't write one book. The Romans were still in power. His people were still oppressed. The failing of fallen humanity is that we look at the immediate for the answer to determine our state of being. But the stone was rolled away. But the stone was rolled away. But the stone was rolled away. Too many of us are making Saturday decisions before a Sunday resurrection. 
We are making Saturday decisions about church, making Saturday decisions about life, making Saturday decisions about relationships, making Saturday decisions about marriage, making Saturday decisions about finance before the resurrection of the Sunday morning. We don't live with the viewpoint of the immediate. We live with the perspective of eternity and how that perspective influences our immediate. The head of the church is building it with eternity in mind that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Not then, not now, not forever. So the question you and I have to ask ourselves as we end this today is how differently would we respond if we weren't enslaved to the immediate? If we would take a breath if we saw things from an eternal perspective, if we just saw our decisions from a decade or two out, if we saw that our sowing and reaping will happen, whether it's on this side of the veil or not, maybe we will not get our blessing immediately. Maybe the sowing and reaping will not come immediately, but it always comes definitely. Because Paul said this, with this we close. Our citizenship is in heaven. And I eagerly await a Savior from there. I am not my own. I was bought at a price. I love this country. I love this world. I love traveling in this world. I love going on vacation. I love seeing things all over the world. I, I love when I'm hungry, I get to go to the microwave because I live in the 21st century and not the 12th centuries. Come on, somebody. Amen. I have an outhouse in my house from when the house was first built. How many of you know I am grateful to not have to use that in January? <laughs> or July, by the way. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> my citizenship is not here. You and I have to change our perspective. Is your kid not going to make it to the pros because on a Sunday you brought them to church to know about Jesus rather than making that one travel team trip. Does that text that you have to send at 9.30 more important than taking that 15 minutes and praying over your children with them reading them a Bible story before they go to bed, grabbing the hand of your spouse and saying, hey, before we go to bed tonight, let's just believe God for what he wants to do in our tomorrow. Is that phone call, that meeting? I'm not saying there's not things that have to be done in the media. Come on, you hear my heart on this. But we have to recognize that we are more enslaved to the immediate than set free by the eternal. And he paid too much of a price to set me free into the eternal for me to be a slave to anything else other than him. There will be peace. And there will be joy. I don't know where you are with God. And I don't know where you are with your decisions to follow him as a disciple. But I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me, church. And maybe today you're here, or maybe you're online, maybe you're listening to this on a podcast sometime. But there is no tally. <laughs> There's no ledger. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
And the wages of even one sin is death. Not one good act, not one good decision, not giving in or giving up anything can make a difference. The standard for eternity is perfection. And we all failed at that. But there's one who has not. His name's Jesus. He is fully God and fully man. And although he was made like us and could understand and sympathize with our weaknesses, he was made without sin. He went to the cross and did not just die a death. He died our death. He did not just die for sin. He died for our sin. He did not just die for, to break the power of hell. He went through our hell to break us free from it. Today, you could be set free. Today, I'm not offering you heaven so that you can actually check that off the box. I'm offering you a Savior who opens up heaven for you. His name is Jesus. I'm inviting you to be his disciple, to come and follow him. Take the first step. And that first step is confessing with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believing in your heart that he died and rose again. Today is your first day on your road to being a disciple of Jesus. We're all going to pray it, but if that's where you are, whether you've prayed it before and are far from God, or you are, you've never prayed it and you're saying, Pastor, here I am. Man, add me to that prayer. I, I, need, I, need, I, want, I, I want to have an encounter with Jesus. That's real. Let's pray this thing together. You pray it from the bottom of your heart. Let God do what he can do. He's the eternal one. He died to set you free. Come on. Dear Lord Jesus, here I am. I've come to give you all of my life. I'm holding nothing back. I realize today, I can't do it, but you are, you've done it all. So I give you my whole life. I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive me of all my sin. Cleanse me of everything I've done wrong. Fill me with your spirit. Make me your disciple. From this day forward and forevermore, I choose to follow you with everything I've got. I'm not going back, and I'm not looking back. In Jesus' name, amen, and amen, and amen. Come on, can we give God some glory? Thank you for changing hearts and lives and minds today. In the name of Jesus Christ, hallelujah. Woo! Hey, my friends, look, if you made that decision for you and you're in this room, we are so excited for you. The truth is the Bible says the old is gone, the new has come, that all of heaven right now is, is exploded with praise because of the decision you made. We want to help you in that decision. Pastor Rick is right over here. Pastor Rick, give him a wave. Pastor Rick would love to take a moment, meet you at these tables behind me. He has a, a, a free book he'd love to give you that he wrote, help you, make that, uh, help you walk out that decision. If you're online, you can send it to the link. All your information, we'll get you one out there free as well. Here's another way to do it. Whether you prayed that today or not, maybe you've prayed it before, but there's something stirring in you that says, you know what, I'm ready to go for God. You may not know it all yet, none of us do. But before you leave, hit that link tree link. They're all over the place. Sign up for Forged. Sign up for shoulder to shoulder. It's not about information, but it is a place of transformation. It will change you from the inside out. We're going to study the book of John because the book of John is all about how to fall in love with Jesus. And I don't know about you, I've been saved 34 years. 
And there's a whole lot of my heart that still needs to fall more in love with Jesus. So I invite you along for the journey. Pastor Irene's going to come really quick. Can you give Pastor Irene a hand really quick? She's going to come encourage us just before we go. Irene, you're awesome. We love you. Good morning, church. Let's give our pastor a hand again. I so enjoyed that message, Pastor Kyle. So grateful. Aren't you grateful for this house? We have a beautiful yeah. house. God is here. God is yeah. at work. Yeah. Well, we had a wonderful New Year's Eve Eve service. And some of you who are here, do you still have your little words yeah. that you got? Yep. We got these words and we prayed over them. And I keep, my, this is the one who sees El Rohi. That's the name of the Lord. And so I hope that you're still reflecting on those names because God wants to do a great thing. You know, here we are in a new year. And he wants to do a great thing, you know, in our lives this year. And it's an opportunity. It's a new slate, right? And that's how God feels about all of us. And this morning, church, besides it just being an offering message, I hope that in our heart this morning, you know, we, we want to give of our tithes and offerings with love and reverence to God. But I hope that we also purpose in our heart to align ourselves, as Pastor Kyle has been saying all throughout his message, let's align ourselves, church, with what God wants to do. Right, Jeremiah 29, 11 has this beautiful verse, and you've heard it before. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And I love this version. It says, plans for well-being, yes. right? Yes. Plans for well-being yes. and not for trouble to give you a future and a hope, My right? God. I don't know about you, but My I don't want to try to grab God and have him go on my journey, right? Yes. I want to go on the journey that he has for me. And those of you who walk with the Lord for a long time, you know what I'm talking about yes, from experience, yep, right? Yep. Much better to join God with what he wants to be yes. doing. So let's give in faith with yes. our offering today, right? Let's join in faith and let's give so that God can continue to do what he wants to do in this beautiful house. Amen. And let's say yes to God, just as Margot so beautifully led us today in worship. Yes. Let's say yes to God for what he wants to do because he has a future full yes. of hope yes. and full of purpose for yes. us, church, yes. right? Yes. Yes. Let it be a great year for us. So let's pray together. Let's join our faith. Father in heaven, we thank you just as we sang today that you are moving, that yes. you are doing a great thing in the earth, Lord. And we want to stand up and we want to say yes to you. Include us in your plan. We want to join you with what you're doing. So we give today of our tithes and our offerings, Father, so that people can continually be uplifted and blessed in this house, thank God. You. And we say yes to you for the plans and purposes that you have for us, God. We don't want to be left in the dust. We want to keep moving forward. We want to keep advancing advancing your kingdom yes. and keep uplifting the name of Jesus to our world, God. And I just pray, uh, during service today, I just had so much in my heart for fear. There's just fear. Some of you are, are looking at this year ahead and you're full of fear. And you know what? That is not of God. Is that a lie or is that the truth? That is a lie. And so right now, Father, I just pray for anyone with fear as they look upon this new year because you are with us. Yes. You are a God yes. that has a, a future and a plan of hope for us, Father. Yes, so we shoot out that fear right now in the name of Jesus, and we say yes to you, God, and we thank you that you love us and fill us with faith and hope this year that we can be a light to others. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, thank give you, Pastor Irene a hand. Guys, love you. It's fantastic. We're going to go in just a second. Uh, Pastor John has just something he wants to say very quickly, but uh, I want to encourage you, by the way, just uh, if you don't know how to give, there are envelopes here. Uh, I know there's a screen up on the thing. You can always give with the QR code. I know, look, here's the, 
This is never a fun month. Here's the way to give. Like, like a Mr. Rogers, right? Take it off my, boys and girls, I just want to tell you. It's just needed, right? The truth is, it's part of worship. It's part of worship. If you give with an offer, I mean, with an envelope or with check, you can drop it in those golden uh, kiosks as well on the way out. But when you do it, don't just drop it in. Whether you give online, automatically, or you put it in. Faith. Faith. Let it be worship. Man, dance that thing up there. You don't have to dance. Man, I'm dancing the natural. I da- da- dance in your spirit. You're like, God, this is awesome. God, thank you for letting me do this. What a God we have. Come on, can you guys stand real quick? Pastor John wants to have just a word over you really quickly. I just, um, as Pastor Kyle was sharing this morning, there was something, you guys can stand up. There was something that jumped out at me for us as a church, for some people in the room this morning. And uh, he was talking about Aaron and her. and um, her. her holding up Moses' arms. And we t- he talked about Moses got tired. Um, and, and I think that we are used to hearing that and talking about that in the context of leaders and pastors and all of those people. But I think that there are also people who are uh, ministering to others behind the scenes. 100%. Under the radar. That you're doing it and it's a quiet thing. And you're tired. You're like, why am I tired? Because you're doing the exact same thing that Moses was doing. Yeah. Yep. It's just a behind-the-scenes moment. Yep. The ministry moment for you that you're doing is not a public ministry moment, but it is just as weighted, so and it is just as valuable to the kingdom, and it is just as important. But there's a tiredness that can come the same way sometimes. Mm. And I just felt like God wanted us to, to, to take a moment this morning, and I was like, but it's like service is rarely wrapping up nicely, Lord. Um, <laughs> and he's like, but you're supposed to do it. I'm like, yeah. okay, all right. I feel like we're supposed to take a moment, and I feel like we're supposed to do two things. And the first thing is pray for anyone in the room that is walking yes. through that and that is yes. sensing that and that is yeah. experiencing that. And, wa- and like, why am I tired? Well, let's let him show us that. Yeah. That it is ministry, that it is a weightedness because of the ministry that he's placed in front of you. And it may look totally different than what you think of traditional ministry. It may be that you're, you're standing in the gap right now for a coworker who is a hot mess of a person. And you're the only person that's praying for them in their life right now. <laughs> yep. And you're standing in that gap and you're functioning in that space. And God's like, I need you in that space because you are the person who is interceding on their behalf to me right now. But there is a weight that comes with that and there is a a gravity that comes alongside of that. So I want to pray for everyone that's navigating that. But the second thing that I want to do, Pastor Kyle shared so beautifully about unity and community this morning. What happened? What helped Moses? Prayer certainly helped him. But people coming alongside and lifting his arms helped him. And so I want to ask everyone in just a minute. You don't have to do it right now. I'm going to explain first. I'm going to ask you to, if that's you, to raise up your hands. And then I want to ask everybody in the room to take a look around the room and see who are the people that God has placed in my immediate community right now that's in my shoulder-to-shoulder group, that's in my forge group, that I serve alongside of, that I've known for 10 years. And I want us to say, okay, how can I be praying for that person? Let's put his feet on this. How can I be praying for that person? And let me ask them how I can help support them right now, how I can help hold up their arms right now. So I want to ask you, if that's you, if you could just put your hands up so that we can know who we're praying for this morning. God, we thank you. We thank you for ministries 
that go under the radar, that yes. go unseen yes. sometimes, that yes. go underneath the surface sometimes, yes. God, because we know that you are working. We know that you are moving in a mighty way. Lord, we pray right now for each and every man and woman of God in this room whose hands are up, yes. that you would come in and be strength, that you would encourage, that you would uphold, that, yes. you, would be, that you would be a lifting God. But Lord, even more than that, that you would send the community alongside of to hold up arms. God, we thank you that you are with us and that we are joining you where you are already working. God, we thank you that this weightedness is not always a bad thing, that sometimes thank the weight comes because it's a significant weight, yes. because it's a yes. significant moment, yes. because you're doing something big, because yes. you're doing something important. God, yes. we thank you right now for the men and women of God in this room yes. whose hands are up. We thank you for the ministry that is occurring through their lives. Pray a blessing over their life. Yes, Lord. We pray a strengthening over their life. Yes. Hallelujah. We pray a peace over their life. We pray a power over their life that only comes from the dynamite word of God over their lives. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So now if you could take a look around the room and just see whose hands are up. Yes. Who can I help support? Who is God putting in my community that I can help support today? Thank you, 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 thank you. I love it. I love it. Such a good, wow, so helpful. You know, look, it's easy to talk about the, theology. What Pastor John just did is made it a reality. Put feet on You've heard me say it a thousand times. Put feet on it. Put feet on it. Put feet on it. I love you, brother. Put feet on it. I'm praying for you, sister. Put feet on it. I'm there for you. Put feet on it. What's it look like? Put feet on it. And it's different for everyone and everything. But thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for opening your heart. Thank you for listening to the king. I pray that you get his heart. Father, may your heart be our heart. May your face shine on us. May our lives not be lived to get you to give us glory. May we live in everything we say, do, and allow to give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you, church. I'll see you next week. Go be the church.